reclaiming my time. Several times. Reclaiming my when time. When we were doing our, our reclaiming my time. The time belongs to the gentlelady from California. Welcome back to the second episode of Reclaiming My Time podcast. Brother Minister Joel, what's hey, going on, what's brother? Going on? I'm doing all right. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good, man. CG Carr, how are the you? The angel. The angel. I'm doing the angel. good. I'm doing oh. good. <laughs> so you were just going she ahead and you were just going to claim it now. You're the angel. I can't wait to record again because I said I'm gonna claim it in the beginning of it. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> I guess I'm the heathen. I'm trying to get right, Lord. I'm trying. Right. <laughs> but we had a solid first episode. I got a lot of good feedback, um, especially for the first episode. I think a lot of people have those same issues at work, and they don't really have an outlet to express themselves or or be able to tune into something where they can relate to that. So I'm happy that we put that together and it came out so well. What, what did y'all think? I agree. I think that uh, the conversation was organic. The conversation was based off of real experiences. And, you know, we had prior conversations before that. So it was like we kind of knew where each other stood at work. But I think it kind of just merged together well in what we were talking about because we're still having different experiences. So mm. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good combo. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Um, I think the fact that we had those prior conversations, it just gelled perfectly last week. And most of that stemmed from what we're going to talk about today. A lot of that stemmed from where we are as a country in this pandemic. So what I like to call the nigga two movement has become... <laughs> such a thing to everybody because of this pandemic that we're all dealing with. As we mentioned before, we couldn't just move on to something else. Okay. So as of today, the United States has 4.7 million cases, 157,000 deaths. The United States is not even 5% of the world's population but it has over 25% of all cases. This stuff is crazy. Yeah. And and I've read somewhere that they're projecting it's going to be like 20,000 more deaths within the next, not even the next month, but the next 21 days, they said. So I said, well, what's going to happen in a month? Yeah. And they're projecting by the end of the year, we're going to be looking at around 300,000 deaths. And I just still can't understand why a certain party chooses to just throw science out the window. Right. Joel, maybe you can, maybe you can help us with this because the conservatives typically hate science. What's up with that? I think it's getting real to them now, because if you look at where these numbers are going up, it's hitting those red States now. And, um, you know, we've seen the death, the unfortunate death of Herman Cain this week. Rest in peace. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, regardless of how we feel with his political views, you know, I still, I don't want to get super saved on y'all, but that, that he's still, he's still, you know, a soul. Um, and he's a black soul. He lost his soul. way. <clears throat> and it's sad, but we soul. didn't, we didn't want him to die. 
Absolutely. So I'm hoping with these numbers rising in Florida, Texas, Georgia, these other states, I'm hoping these people are really having a wake-up call now um, because initially it didn't hit home like it is now. It was hitting in New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania states, um, but now we're really seeing it hit those Trump-supporting states. And we'll see. We'll see where, where this goes as we get closer to the election. And, and rumor has it Kushner... Jared Kushner, with no experience in anything, actually didn't want to ramp up the testing and address it properly because it was only affecting the blue states originally. I mean, these people are evil. These yeah, people I are evil. evil. I mean, this, honestly, I think it's, it's nothing short of a direct display of just horrible, poor leadership. It's Absolutely. extremely poor leadership. Now that we're getting closer to November, and he's, you know, we have a a leader that would rather think out loud. And I usually like me and my family, we call them meltrums, which is like a combination of a meltdown and a tantrum. This is what he does. Mm. He'd rather have a meltrum online about side topics than focusing on what's at hand. But now he believes that, like you said, it's spewing into the red states. And now this is one of his other reasons to say that the election is not going to be a fair election or so on. So, oh my God. You know, <clears throat> yeah. We're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. But we have the pleasure of someone who's on the front lines, not able to work from home like many of us. Nurse Brenda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for hopping on. And I think we all need to start saying thank you for your service to those on the front line. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, no, no problem. Thank you. the people that do it, you know, it's kind of like a, like a calling sometimes mm. um, for most of us. I've tried to, I've tried to let it go and I couldn't. So I guess <laughs> it was meant it was, to be. It, yeah, right. I guess it was meant to be. Well, let's let's start there. What made you want to become a nurse to begin with? The comfortable clothing, to be honest, that was the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you don't have to buy any work outfits. Yeah. Um, but I think I've always just been fascinated by the fact that um, just kind of by like doctors, surgeons, for say, how, you know, something that you feel that is kind of God-driven and God-made and to see that man have the power to put somebody back together mm. and, it, you know, just put people back together and, and make people healthy and and just to be in that part of that um, that experience and, and making people well and taking care of people's loved ones. So you think it was really a calling to begin with? I guess so. Like I said, I've always been fascinated just by like, you know, the human body and how we work and and then to to be a part of, of that and, and, and taking care of people when they're not at their best and so and being a part of that is kind of it's rewarding i'm sure it makes me happy yeah it's rewarding it has Fulfilling. to be right yeah and since this whole thing has begun like i said people have had the opportunity from work to work from home or they got laid off and they've been on unemployment not having <clears throat> to deal with the pressures of going to work every day mm-hmm. what has that been like just the whatever level of fear as well as trying to take care of your family. What is that experience? 
Of course, there, there's both. You know, there, there was the fear, like, especially in the beginning when it was kind of just unknown and, and everything's like coming in light and nobody really knows about COVID, you know, because it's something new. Um, and, and having little ones at home, um, you know, and just having other people in your home, it, it's, it's a fear of, of bringing something back home. Um, right. Not necessarily, you know, fear for yourself, but just fear for bringing something home to them right. and, and not knowing, like, were you careful enough to, to bring something here? Mm. Um, and then at the same time, it was like uh, you felt kind of empowered, like you're working towards and, and, and you know, feared and, and, and you're kind of in the front lines. Um, you know, it's a, a sense of fulfillment as well. So it's kind of like a mix of both, um, right. and then being, and then feeling blessed as well, that you were one of the few people that had a job that were able to keep providing, mm. and that you were able to keep working and, and and taking care of yourself financially. You know. But let me ask you but this: Was there ever a, a point where you said maybe I'm going to bow out? Maybe I won't go to work right now. No, it was actually the opposite for me. I felt very um, at at a point where when things got, you know, very bad in New York, I was kind of like torn because I felt that if it wasn't for me having two little ones at home, I would have loved to just like take up a a flight and go help where help was actually Mm. very, very much needed. Um, So for me, it was it was the opposite. Yeah. I, I, it took me a while to, um, you know, I felt very strong about it and I really wanted to just take a, a flight and, and just be there and, and, and help where, where it was needed. But, you know, I can, I, my kids behind. <laughs> can I ask what, what was the impact on your family? Like, did you, you know, or you have to stay away from your family in regards to you're working in the hospital. And even though you're protecting yourself, some of your family might want to stay quarantined away from you. Or like, was there any direct impact with how you were able to interact with your family? No. Well, you know, my husband's kind of very open-minded. And he, you know, we try to take the precautions, you know, that I would come home and I would change kind of outside, like in the garage, and I had a box where I would just take off all my clothes, my shoes. Um, mm. And like I come home and I go straight to the shower. Um, like I would try to come where the kids won't see me so that it, they wouldn't run to me. Um, mm. That was kind of, and that's kind of the precautions we still take now. Like I come home and I make sure I take my shoes off, I don't bring them in the house. Um, my clothes go straight to a box, straight to, you know, to be washed and stuff that stuff of that nature. Wow. Is that something that they they directed you all to do or did you come up with that th- well, they, as your own precaution? It's kind of something you, you kind of come out on your own. Um, you know, they tell you about the mask, hand washing and stuff like that. But, you know, just in general, kind of in your work environment, you just kind of create your own, you know, we all kind of just talked about what we're doing to, to not bring something home. Right. 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 So that's you all sharing ideas and information about things that you're doing in your individual households to 
keep everybody else safe. They're Correct. not really giving you any best practices. It sounds no, like. the, the practice they just give you kind of the same thing they give the general public. You follow CDC guidelines. Um, you know, when you're in the workplace, it's trying to clean up and, and, and be precautious and just, you know, wear your gloves, wear your mask. Um, try to sanitize where you, you know, where needed and just pretty much be precautious of. But. But you, but you being on the front lines and, you know, working in the healthcare profession, I didn't even think about that. But that's something most people on the front lines should probably be doing. But I don't know if there's ever been any direction on doing those or taking those type of steps. So, I mean, that's crazy. Kudos. So what has it been like going to work? Like, what is the experiences? What have you seen? I think you, you deal with the elderly. Like, what is what have you seen that's just kind of been hard to deal with? Well, for me, mostly because I'm not so in direct contact um, or, you know, I've been in contact. Um, I think with me, because I'm kind of in a part where I see most of, like, elderly cancer patients. Um, and a lot of the patients I've seen are in nursing homes they kind of come for treatments and and so um well i think what has been hard for me is to see them being isolated from their loved ones mm. because now that this whole pandemic um you know hits they're not allowed to have their their visits like family come visit wow. and if they go out they are summoned to like a quarantine for 10 some places 14 days um and anytime somebody tests positive, they go under this quarantine where they can't come out their rooms and they can't quite go out and do their activities within that living facility like they're used to. Wow. Um, and what's the mental impact that you've seen in, in some of these cases? I would assume that the anxiety, the depression, that that has all increased with dealing with all of this. It has, and it has for, for, you know, the family members and for the patients themselves. You know, most of these patients, they, this is what they look forward to now that they're not, you know, at home with their loved ones. It's that weekly visit on the weekends from, you know, their grandkids, their, you know, their, their children, okay. uh, friends, family, um, even significant others. You know, I had a case uh, where I had a patient of mine that I saw every month um, that passed away from COVID. And mm. I was the one that actually sent this patient to the ER because I was concerned about his symptoms mm. um, and notified his primary care provider. And he kind of ignored my, you know, um, my comments and my concerns. And I just, you know, spoke with his wife who I, you know, dealt with on a monthly basis. And we kind of, you know, had that connection already. And we both kind of felt that he wasn't well, like there was something there and made that call and found out the next day when I came back to work that he was COVID positive. So then I had to wow. be submitted to testing because I wasn't aware. I mean, I was yeah. following precautions, thank God. Um, like I said, you just have to be vigilant on the job. Like you have to treat every patient that comes in as if they were to be positive. Like, I think that's the way you have to think in order to not let your guard down. 
and, and mm. succumb to possibly, you know, coming coming positive with COVID. You gotta treat each patient as they might be positive. So, you know, keep your precautions mm. when you treat everybody. And so. you said the primary doctor ignored it. Is that what happened? It was, you know, it was a patient with a lot of medical conditions. Um, he came in for a monthly treatment that, you know, we provide in the, that I provide in the office. And, you know, it just, it was kind of his agitation. He was just not, you know, like I said, when you see somebody um, and you're kind of familiar with this patient or individual, I guess that's kind of the good thing because you kind of know them and you know their demeanor. Um, you know, his vital signs were not all too great, but what concerned me was his respiratory, um, his respiratory symptoms, mm. you know, and, and that's what alarmed me. He didn't have the typical fever. Um, it was just kind of the way he was breathing, you know, his blood right. pressure was high and just his agi level of kind of agitation. It was just a little different from what I've seen him before. And, you know, we had a way of contacting his primary care because we all linked in through the same system because his primary care is within, you know, the hospital that I work with. Mm -hmm. And I send a message. I let, didn't let them leave um, in hopes that they would put in an order for a chest x-ray just to rule out any respiratory distress, which was my concern. And I knew that once this patient left here, he would not be seen by anybody outside the living facility for the next 30 days. And that was why I was so concerned with not right. letting him leave before mm -hmm. I made contact and, and tried to, um, you know, see if they would be able to, to put in that order. And when an hour and a half later, when I get a response of, huh, like, what is what does that have anything to do with, you know? How did that make what, you feel what? real quick? When they... Angry. <laughs> it made me feel very angry. You I know, would think so. And that's what made me go and talk to his, you know, wife. And I told her, you know him. I know him. There's something not well here. Like, just take him to the emergency room. And, you know, and our concern was we're trying to avoid the emergency room. And that's what made me so angry because, like, that's what we hear all day long. Like, if your patient does this, we're trying to avoid sending our patients to the ER to avoid coming in contact with, you You know, with COVID. And right. we're trying to keep people from. And then here I am asking you for a simple order mm. to go get a chest x-ray, which is a walk-in appointment. You just could take the order. And you're ignoring and kind of saying, well, what does that have to do with anything? Oh, that angers me. <laughs> I mean, and I'm... you know what? The funny thing is, though, hours later, they send another message where the provider decided to change his mind. Wow. Mm -hmm. But, you know, everything's documented. So I was just kind of like, you know, you just laugh because I, I went back and I was like, oh, you know, of course you change your mind afterwards. But, you know. Now you're in the, you're in the state of Georgia. We know that mm -hmm. there's a. Uh... It's a red state. We know that. Mm -hmm. This doctor, what what was his ethnicity? If, if you don't, you know mind. what? I don't know. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> I, I don't. Okay. I don't know him on a. Um, I don't know him. Okay, you're communicating him. You're communicating virtually, right? right okay. Mm -hmm. Virtually. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Just curious, because there's a mm -hmm. lot going on with your governor there, and 
and your mayor. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. people choose to fall in line with whatever party they're aligned with or you know you just never know what's driving some of this stuff and it's unfortunate right. because people lives are on the line and and uh, yeah that, that's the scary thing is you would think medicine would come before politics so you know it's a scary thing if i have a doctor that's more enthused with what a president is saying than what the statistics and what medicine is saying so i, I would hope that isn't the case you know, I can tell you from my experience kind of in in the setting I'm in um, that I would say most of the providers that I that I which is unfortunate that it's fortunate to see is that they are all very concerned um, about, you know, COVID and precautions and, and right. are for the patient and are not um, OK with what's going on politically and with the president's views and you know every time there's been a conference where the president speaks like i do hear the providers kind of outraged and and just you know baffled but that, that was actually i'm sorry that was actually my question for you is how do yeah. you feel personally when you see the mixed messages being shown in the media being that you're on the front line seeing what's actually going on i just like you're just speechless I mean, I think I'm at a point where you're just kind of at loss for words. Um, you know, I think we all are, like I said, you know, when I talk to coworkers, because it's sad. It's sad to see the leader of this country, feel, you know, you get the feeling that he doesn't care. Mm. He doesn't care because he's not affected because maybe his people close to him. He just. Well, he gets tested twice a day. So as long as he's okay, yeah, he doesn't care about anybody yeah. else. Do, do you think that this will have an effect on voters um, that family members may have been? So, I mean, if this doesn't, I mean, just everything that's been going on lately, I mean, if, if this is not a wake-up call to the person that's not voting, to, to, to just everybody that that's angered, you know, that's angry by what's going on, that's been affected by everything that's happening, if this doesn't get you out there to, to vote, then, like, I don't know what will. Mm. And I don't understand, you know, and it makes me feel like you don't have a reason to then be outraged or get angry if you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. And, and have you directly worked with someone that's contracted the virus or anyone in your profession that you know of that has gotten I have. It. I have and it's and it's ironic because, you know, um people have this mentality of, oh well, you know, the younger people are not getting it. And I have somebody from my place of work, a twenty something year old white white female, mm. um that contracted the virus and had been out of work for almost three and a half months, came back um, once she tested negative and then was having a hard time, um, just feeling kind of exhausted and just, you know, she's had a breakdown because she said she felt that she couldn't, like she couldn't explain it, but she was just tired mm. and still kind of dealing with the aftermath of having contracted the virus. And And that's what they say is even if you make it through, your respiratory mm -hmm. system is not going to be the same. Like you're going to deal with the after effects for who knows how long, because we still just don't know. 
everything exactly. about it. It's exactly. just crazy. People are just like, oh, well, so what if I get it? And, you know, I'm sure I'll be fine. The thing is, this is something that people don't know about. So you don't know what your body, the changes within your body. Like, that, that would scare me to know that I've contracted something that, you know, people in the medical field are just learning about. And you don't know the aftermath. You don't know what, you know, what effects it's going to have on your body. Maybe you don't care not because you're 20 and 30. But right. what effects is it going to have on you when you're 60 and 70? Right. I, I think seeing this, it seems like the first time I've ever seen something that completely worldwide was a trial and error type experience. It seemed like government wasn't prepared. We weren't prepared. And I, I know a couple people in the medical field and even some patients that went to the hospital and just they felt that this was a trial and error experience. And I can imagine what it was like working there. And also at that time when you're feeling sick and having to go to the hospital, like I have a friend that um, always had issues with shortness of breath and he went to the hospital due to shortness of breath and they immediately, like you said, assumed or they had to assume that he was uh, COVID positive. So they put him on the, the COVID wing yeah. and then they, he had to remain there until his test results came back and they came back negative. But then his fear was, well, now I've been exposed to you. What happens to me now? Right. And, and they said, you're fine. And they sent him home. Mm. It was just kind of that experience where people are afraid to go to the hospital for any symptom now, because if it's anything that relates to COVID, you're going to assume that they're going to assume that you're positive and you don't know what the outcome of that will be. My niece, her stomach was hurting <laughs> and they made her take a COVID test and she had to be quarantined for the 14 days. Come back. Mm -hmm. She was negative. But it's just like every little thing now. Yeah, I've always had a problem with doctors. Symptoms are so broad now that it, I mean, right, it's, it's not everything. It's not right. everything. My eye is twitching. Oh, you got to take the test. <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy, and we don't know. Like, there's the conversation of can you get it more than once. And and there's someone I saw on CNN and she believes she was her test results came back that she was positive three times, but mm -hmm. she wasn't sure if the test result was accurate. So that's another thing, the testing and how accurate it be, you know. It, I mean, yeah, it, it's just it, it's it's a mess. I mean, it, it's a mess from testing. It's a mess to um, you know. It's something that they don't know. It's something that is being learned every day. But to your to, to your point, the testing has to get better because coworker of mine took the test. She didn't get the results back for two weeks. So if she had it, she's now out in the world touching people, you know, handling business as she regularly would. But how how is it that she gets her test results back in two weeks? What's the point? I mean, right. it just doesn't make any did, sense. Did she, did she take this test early when this came out or did she was this recent? Because they're supposed to give you your testing results usually within 24 hours now, right? Not everywhere. No. no. Not everywhere. Really? Everybody has different uh, tests. Everybody really? has different testing, and I think, and that's obviously like uh, a big part. that's one of the major problems that's happening. You know, I because I'm in the medical field, I went within the place I work. They told me between you know within 48 hours, and you know, of course, I get my results within probably what 12 hours less than mm -hmm. 24 hours which you know of course i know why they want me back in 
in, at work, but you know, I've known people that had to wait five days, seven days for the results. Right, and, and and that makes no sense when the reporters that go to the White House they get their results instantly, so it's there, it exists. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. is there this discrepancy in tests throughout the country? Where some people can know on the spot, others can know in 24 hours. Some people are waiting a whole week, if not more. Right. I guess. I guess it's all about who you have access to. Exactly. And and that's that's where we go back to leadership. South Korea. Yeah. Everybody, there's testing on every block, and they can tell you instantly if you have it or not. Yeah. Why don't we have that? It's supposed to be the greatest country in the world, isn't it? Exactly. I, I think we're starting to see uh, some flaws in our system here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I had a question. Um, the president is now saying, I just saw this earlier on television this morning, that there may be a vaccination as early as November. Are you guys hearing anything about this or is this just something that he's spewing out there? We have not heard about anything. Um, I know, you know, one of the facilities here, um, which is, you know, one that within my work environment that is they're they're working on a vaccine but it's still not there's still no date and you know i'll be honest i don't know if i'm gonna take it i i haven't had a flu shot in maybe 15 years knock on wood i haven't really you know i've been good i don't know if i'm gonna take it i probably won't i'm gonna watch i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let that first school go first I, I'm not just going to watch. I'm just not taking it. I agree with you. I have not had a flu shot in, in, a, in a while, but this is this scares me even more. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just me drawing it up in my head, but I don't want to take this vaccine and then my arm fall off while I'm walking down the street. It's just something that's not adding up about this, and it seems we're in such a panic. All of yeah. a sudden, you know, there's a rush to get this vaccine before the election. Well, let me ask you this, um, CG. What, what would happen if your employer says you can't come back unless you take this vaccination or for a parent, your child can't come back to school until they get vaccinated. Cause that, that's my fear is we may have a a lot of court battles. I'll tell you that they're going to put our back against the wall and say, well, you, you're not going to be employed or your children can't go back to school without this vaccination. And they do that. That's, that's Mm -hmm. what I go through. I am. Um, I go through this every year with the flu vaccine. I'm not a fan of it either, even though I'm in the healthcare, and I hear this often, like, "Oh, how are you in healthcare?" And I'm like, I, you know, and I'm I'm against being forced, but we are forced. Are you forced to, to take a flu shot? I didn't unless know that. Unless you have, unless you have a medical reason, and you can get a medical note from your healthcare provider, we have to get a yearly flu shot. Wow. It's mandatory. Yeah. And, I never and knew for that. Vaccines, I'm sorry, but for vaccines, isn't it true that they're putting the virus in you to try to build up your immune system against it? Is that Correct. It's not the live virus, but they are putting in a percentage of the the virus so that your body kind of recognizes this this foreign virus and kind of creates immunity to fight it off. That's pretty much what, what the vaccine is. Um, I'll yeah. pass. <laughs> Damn that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing no, it. I, I definitely don't want the shot, but like I said, I think 
the fear, to, especially with this administration, uh, you know, you just can't yep. put anything past them, is they're going to mandate employees to get these vaccinations in order to go back to work. And now we're going to have another big issue. Now, you can say litigation, but you know how long that's going to run through the courts while you're at home waiting for a paycheck? And they're saying you can't come back or you're no longer employed until you, you get vaccinated? I, guess I don't feel safe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not coming back. Like, and if y'all want to yeah. fire me, we can go. We can go to war. I mean, that's that's right. how I would do it. If that's exactly. what it takes. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just, you know, just playing devil's advocate. I mean, I definitely don't want the shot. I just don't know, you know, with with this president, what he's going to try to make us do. Now, now the other. Hold other on, real quick. Let me. Is, I'll let you ask your question, Joe. Okay. But real quick, I just wanted for a full disclosure i work from home anyway so i can be bold and say that but <laughs> i work from home before the pandemic so of course i can say that but uh go ahead um i forgot my question already <laughs> oh yeah no i'm sorry the question is um <laughs> all right so obviously i'm a pastor can you use a letter saying for religious purposes you can't... <laughs> negro she's not a lawyer <laughs> Okay. Yes, all right. Cool. So I'm yes, I'm gonna have one of my past oh, friends you can. write me a letter. Oh. You can. Mm-hmm. Oh. That is that is another one. <laughs> oh, I'm good. All right. I'm good. So I'm am good. I. Good. Good luck. Let's talk after. Let's talk after. I'm a so part of your flock. Your phone number. Conversation. We're gonna have to negotiate some pricing here. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> Are you charging us? <laughs> hey, things, things are getting rough out here. Everybody's going to have a second source of income. I'm so one thing I did want to touch on is the fact that, yeah, we don't know about this virus. And it's it's actually morphing into something else. And a lot of kids is what we're seeing. These rare cases. Most recently in Georgia, over 200 kids came down with the virus at a summer camp that their parents chose to send them to. They're talking about opening back up the schools. It's still so much that's unknown. And these people want to make this political. Joel, Nurse Brenda, y'all the parents, what do you think about the effects on the children and how they are making this so political? And real quick, the summer camp, would you have sent your kid? Should those parents be ashamed of themselves? Well, let me tell you this here, because this is the conflict I'm having at home um, now. Because me and my significant other share very different views when it comes to this mm. and that's what makes it hard um because he is ready to send them off to school and of course i am not mm. so that's where it, it becomes very hard and i get it in his end because he has kind of you know he gets to work from home um and I, I understand because he's been home with both kids. So I understand the stress level on him. 
Um, and a lot of parents. I've heard a lot of parents right, say that. Because it is yeah. very demanding to be at home and you're trying to work and you're trying to be on the phone. Like me now, I mean, just even to do this. Now I'm sitting here hiding in a room locked downstairs in his office in hopes that they don't hear where I am. And mommy just went missing. So I understand. Um, but I'm, I'm scared. I'm concerned, you know, because the conversation I had, you know, that the, the I hear is, oh, well, kids are not getting it as bad or kids are not really getting it. Um, but why would you? Well, they are getting it. We just saw 200 right. kids and it's highly right. contagious. Right. Even if These are kids that you're, they touch everything and they're touching each right. other and they're, right. you know, yeah. sharing lunch boxes and here's your lunch, take my lunch. I mean, even if they're asymptomatic, they're still coming home exposing me and my wife. Exactly. Or they're going to go see grandma and grandpa right. who are elderly and they're exposing them. So, okay, I get it. You know, they may be asymptomatic. They may not have any issues, but they're an exposure to that school teacher. They're an exposure to that principal. They're an exposure mm -hmm. to that school nurse, that custodian, right. yeah. all those other adults in that building. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, CG in Tucson know my children go to private school and their start date is September 1st and they're supposed to be going back into the building. Um, I have a three-year-old. He's not going. Yeah. Um, what are you, are you sending the other kids? Uh, we're, we're trying to figure it out. I mean, um, public school is not an option, even though I'm hearing that they're going to stay closed for the first semester, but I'm not sending my kids there either. Um, I, I don't know. We, we have to figure it out. There's supposed to be a meeting next week. I'll give you guys the update after I talk to, you know, the administrator there, but they plan on opening the door September 1st. And this is in New Jersey. It's not yeah. even a Republican state. <laughs> My sister, um, her daycare, so her job was adamant on they had to come back to work. Those, so you know, you're dealing with a four-year-old and a three-year-old. So she was in a, a situation where, because I'm working from home, I could take the kids on certain days. However, when her schedule went back to full time in the office, then she was in a situation where do I let them go to daycare or not? And, you know, it was a high anxiety uh, level for her because she saw the regulations that they had and the staff have to wear masks and the kids don't. But she, like we all said, we know that the kids can still contract this, whether they're asymptomatic or not, and bring it home. And I never understood the decision to close gyms and close dance studios and close one because of the exposure that it can present but allow camps to to open and so on i just didn't understand that because i feel like you're exposing the kids and the kids are then exposing the elderly their parents wherever they're around yeah it's it's, it's crazy um but I, I guess the president's whole thing is he's trying to open the economy up so if I'm going to send the parents back to work, then we have to have somewhere for the kids to go. And they're not thinking about the health of anyone. And what's funny is Baron Trump's school isn't even opening right away. So how does your <laughs> son stay not. home? Yeah, how does your son stay home, but you're going to send the rest of the country back to school? Right. But it's up exactly. to the governors, though, right? It's not really something that he can demand. That's why I'm kind of scratching my head at New Jersey. But I guess this is just the private schools. It's a Christian school. Okay. It's an evangelical school. Oh, Lord. So I think you have an idea of who they probably support. They don't say yep, it, yep. but I think we have an idea of who they support. 
But they are doing a hybrid. In New Jersey, they're doing like, um, I think some of the students will go to school on one day, others, and they have the option of if you're going to do virtual learning or if you're going to do the hybrid program. I know it's different based off of the township or so on, but the fact that it's even an option to open. Yeah. You're, yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, the crazy thing about it is before you even get to the school, you're putting 20 and 30 kids on a school bus. Exactly. So, exactly. Okay, okay, first grade class doesn't have it, but he's getting on a bus with a third grade student who does have it. Now you've just exposed a whole nother classroom. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. It I don't doesn't. get it. I understand. And I know you're, you know that we're not equipped to sit down and eat or dine inside, but you're okay with them going to school and are they going to eat lunch inside together like i don't understand yeah we have a whole write-up i'm gonna send it to you guys maybe we can discuss later um they have to eat inside of their classrooms now um they have to wear gym clothes all day you can't wear uniforms to school because they're not allowed to change in a locker because there may be an exposure to COVID by them changing clothes um, you have to wear masks all day, which is why my three-year-old, he, he was supposed to go to pre-K three. He's not going. That's what's going to make um, it go. That's what's going to take it to another level. You want those kids to wear a mask all, all day, day in the class. It's, it's going to be a, a nightmare. It's not going to happen. Yeah. He thinks it's cool now because we may take him out, you know, every once in a while, but he's not wearing a mask eight hours a day, five days a week. You're not going to be able to breathe. Like, I have trouble breathing sometimes when I'm wearing well, they, They're not. They, yeah, they don't. My kids, by the time I'm leaving Walmart, are they, they're, they're asking. They're to ripping take it, it off. off, right. And that, that's my that's my five year old asking to take it off. My my two year old just looks at me and, and takes it down. <laughs> he's done, you know. You couldn't pay me enough to be a teacher. I tell you, before the COVID, but definitely not now. I'm not, yeah. I'm not doing it. But again, thank you for your service. We commend you out Absolutely. there saving lives, literally, yes. directly every day. Yes. And couldn't thank you enough for sure. We're going to move on to sports. <laughs> now, Nurse Brenda, you're one of the few Chicago natives that's a Green Bay fan. We don't get it, but we Hi. know you're in the sports. <laughs> <laughs> CG, you all over the map too. You seem to like the Heat. Do you still Heat fan, CG? Is that still a thing? No, no, I'm not. I was a fan of Dwayne Wade. So I've always felt like in, in in the NBA, you could be a direct fan of a player, and that's when you were a fan of that team. I don't care who agrees with you or not, but I no longer am a Dwayne Wade fan. I was about to ask you that. Thank you. Thank no, you for knowing. This is interesting. I didn't like anyone. <laughs> <sighs> but they're back on the field and they're back on the courts. It looks like the bubble thing may be working. It, it seems like it may be working in basketball. Haven't heard much about soccer, but I haven't heard of any real positive test. Can you break this bubble down? So the bubble is they're not allowed to leave this environment, right? Can you they're not allowed to leave the resort at Disney World. I actually stayed there myself for a conference years ago. So it's a huge complex. They can move around. There's a lot of things they can do in this so-called bubble, but they can't leave the bubble in Disney World. Now, did Lou Williams get out somehow? He had an exception for a funeral. Yeah, and, and then uh, he his nut ass went to the strip club. <laughs> yeah. And, and you should see... 
Did you see the, the girl that says she danced for him? Apparently, you know, she kept her six foot distance and he tipped very well. She had to make that clear. I did that see he that. Did, he did social distance while he was there. <laughs> I don't oh, understand okay. the point. That's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but he said he went for the wings. That's what he told yeah, everybody. But... <laughs> So he had to, when he got back to the bubble, he had to quarantine again for another 10 days. So if you leave for any reason, then you have to quarantine. But apparently they have had no positive test. I don't think soccer has either because they are in this bubble. Now, baseball most recently had an outbreak between the Phillies and the Marlins. I think the Yankees may have had a few players as well. So they were talking about shutting it down. And then a day later, they came back and said, no, we're not quitters, <laughs> which I don't really get what that means. You're not going to quit on saving lives. I, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, NFL has had 36 players already opt out. Seven of them are on the Patriots. Hmm. I'm at the point where I think I'm done with sports. It might sound crazy because I have a sports podcast. I love, I coach basketball. I love the Eagles, but I'm just at the point where it's really disturbing to me that the money means more to them than actually caring about people and their livelihoods. It it just doesn't make any sense to me that they want to move on with this because of the dollar. What do y'all think? I, so I, I do know that, and like I said, I'm not watching, but I, I've been keeping up on some of it. And it looks like opting out looks different for every different league. And it's just like with the NFL players, I really feel for them. Um, I saw somewhere that they have two options of opting out. Like you can either voluntarily opt out, but then they're giving them like, I think the check was like a stipend of $150,000. And it was mm-hmm. looked at like an advance. What is what are, what are they going to do with that? Yeah, that's if you opt out that, and you're not a high risk. So you're right. Okay. If, if now, you choose, yeah. Amount, right? right. If you're high risk, then it's 300000 stipend that they give you. But you had to have some really pretty serious pre-existing conditions or something like that to be, or right. to opt out high risk, right? Right, right. I, I don't so know what, what they mean? specify those to be, but yeah. The list, they had like cancer, HIV, diabetes, you know, all of those different things, but my my concern was what about the risk of your family? Like some of these people, um, I saw uh, Russell Wilson speak about, he has a new child, you know, he has yeah, children. Like yeah. what is, there's no concern to care for their family at all. Yeah. So I, I haven't been following NFL. So these guys are going to play and go home every night. In the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're doing in baseball. Oh, that's out of control. Like you figured 53 players on a roster and that doesn't include coaching equipment staff and everything else somebody's bound to have covid right on every team absolutely right, right. And, and but we're already seeing it in baseball and i think that's why the nfl players are opting out it's still pretty early we already have almost 40 players that have opted out and they well, know they're going to be in the same situation following the uh, mexican soccer league but <laughs> that's the going on with the mexican soccer league what's going on there of- a lot of the players, they've, they've had a, a couple of positive cases and they're still 
deciding to kind of go forward and are they traveling in the Mexican soccer league? Are they traveling? I don't know if they've been traveling as of yet, but they are no signs of them stopping from playing. And they're kind of giving players the option to decide whether they want to continue playing, even though they're, been positive cases within their team. See, that's mind blowing. That is mind blowing. That's crazy. And that's why I've lost interest. I mean, I know my dad used to he used to buy all the fights when I was growing up. He used to be a diehard Eagles fan pounding on the ground when they scored a yeah. touchdown. And it, he just lost interest. And yeah. I think I'm I don't really know what happened for him to lose interest. I know in boxing he was mad after the Tito Trinidad versus De La Hoya. That did it for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he said, I'm going to buy one more fight. Guess what fight it was? Uh-oh. Tyson Holyfield 2. And then he said, I'm not, I said, I'm done. I'm not messing with boxing no more. And he stuck to Wait. it. <laughs> that wasn't the ear. Okay, the ear was. That was that the was ear. The ear. That was yeah, the ear. The ear yeah. He was pissed. Wow. <laughs> but wow. I just I just don't I just can't get behind this anymore because it's more about do we have enough livestock willing to get on the field so we can make our money? They exactly. don't care about nobody. And even exactly. the NBA and this and Joe, you know, I, I don't like LeBron James. I don't like him. And he pissed <laughs> me off even more because they did this kneeling symbolism crap. And he says after the game, I hope we made Kaepernick proud. What? You might have made him proud four years later. You want to kneel in front of a bunch of people now because it's the safe zone to do You're so? You're not even kneeling in front of a bunch of people. You're kneeling in a bubble. Right. <laughs> and you talking about you hope you made Kaepernick proud. I wish Kaepernick would have came out and made a statement against that statement because that's insanely idiotic. And insensitive I, to what that man went through. And you want to try to, <laughs> you want to do this four years later when now everybody's doing it and it's safe to do. In my mind, you're a coward. But in, but in LeBron's defense, LeBron has always been vocal about standing up and his activism and so on. And I feel like the NBA, they allot them a lot more cushion to be able to do that than the NFL. So I don't know they weren't kneeling, but yes, they were always displaying some sort of symbolism in regards to. But see, didn't we talk about that last show? What is the symbolism yeah. doing? How is that really making an impact? That is true. That is a true statement, but. They dropped the ball. And I do see the post game interviews and they're all, well, what were we going to do about Breonna Taylor and the cops that killed Breonna Taylor? And I, you know, I see the jerseys and so on, but I just well, don't. There, there, there were certain players. There was, um, what's the guy out in uh, Portland, uh, CJ McCollum. Um, and I can't think of the other player that did actually meet with Breonna Taylor's family. Um, you know, they, they, they are hands-on. They're uh, hands-on in what you know, way? We gotta, we also because he met with the too. family. Come on, Joe. I mean, I'm no, but to, to we got to. I know, I know you don't like LeBron, but we also got to consider. You know, outside of this, LeBron has done a lot for the community in regards to and, opening schools and things of that sort. So, yeah, I mean, he may he may have dropped the ball in your eyes in regarding to you know how he handled this situation, but I mean, he has he has used his voice as a platform to a certain extent. Whether we agree with how he's done it, he's done something. 
What LeBron James has done is give back to his community, which we've seen many athletes do. He's built a school in Akron, Ohio, where he grew up to help the kids that went through an experience that he went through. Jalen Rose started a school in, in Detroit. Nobody's going out of their way saying that he's Malcolm X trying to paint LeBron James like he's some kind of social justice warrior. These are things we've seen athletes do. We're giving him too much credit for some of this stuff. He had a chance to make a real impact. The media, ESPN, who's, I guess, I'm I'm not saying, no, no, I'm not saying you guys in general, but the way the media has painted him, I think he's gotten too much credit when it comes to coming to, I don't want to say the rescue, but addressing these social injustices. He's gotten too much credit for that because he wore a t-shirt. Does he have anything to do with that, though? That's that's just, you know, is he supposed to come out and say, hey, don't talk about me? I mean, you know, no, no, that's, no, no. That's, what media, that's what the media does. I mean, they, they, they create their own narrative about you. And I mean, what is he supposed to do? I you got a that, point. No, LeBron haters, you can't really change their mind. They're almost. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> when someone hates LeBron, it's almost impossible. I don't. I don't mind. like him. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Some people try to t- tiptoe around it. To me, he's a suck and he's a coward because oh, he had an opportunity to make a true impact, and he cared more about maybe getting another ring that's going to have an asterisk next to it. No matter who wins it, it'll be an asterisk. And he wants to be seen. He's gotten somewhat addicted to the light. He could have probably gotten more light if he said, I'm not going to play. This is what they should have did. They should have at least threatened. Explain to me what you would have done if you were LeBron James. Right. They should have at least threatened to not play. At least. And say, and then they they could easily have their demands. You say, we're not going to play or else. The problem I have with a lot of these athletes is they're not asking for any clear-cut demands. We've seen what works, University of Missouri. Even most recently in Minnesota, the Black Union got together and said, we don't want the Minneapolis police patrolling us anymore. The contract was cut. Make some demands and stick to it. But So can I play devil's advocate here? Because we just last episode had a conversation about how we ourselves are not making these demands out of fear of losing our job. So how are we putting our players on the line? Because they have no CG because they have leverage. They have leverage that I don't have have at my job. We all have leverage. Listen, we all have leverage and we all have that fear of losing our position. So when it comes to, when it's it not apples and apples, though. Let's be real. That's not apples and apples. It's not. This is the same guy. I literally caught him on a versus battle writing hate mail to the phone in the When you're watching versus, you normally don't see too many familiar people. It just shows I had to get I, my message funny. out. I had to get my message out. I said, I know this is not him. I know this is not him. And I screenshot. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all know I'm right. Y'all know I'm right. They should have had demands. They should have threatened not to play or else. It it, could have been something as simple as y'all want us to play. about getting 300 players to be on the same page. No, all you need is one. That's the thing. If he does it. No, you need the one. If he does it, 
if he does it, then they listen. If he would have said, okay. I'm not playing unless you change the stand your ground law in Florida, because that's where y'all so want Steph, us to play. So Steph Curry wouldn't have been enough? It had to be LeBron James. And no, it should have been a collective of the best players, just like they did it back in the day with Ali, Kareem, Abdul-Jabbar, Bill. They should have put together a coalition. Those These guys, guys, those guys boycotted their season. Ali still fought. Bill Russell still played basketball. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still went to the court. Y'all can defend the man if you want to, but we've all we've all agreed. We've all agreed. No, no, no. We've all agreed that this is a time unlike none other. And they had the leverage and they blew it. But we're gonna move on. <laughs> Nurse Brenda, you still with us? I'm still, I love I'm still with you. Because I'm not a LeBron fan, but I, I I feel a little different towards him now. He's a sucker. <laughs> Let's just we'll agree on that. But tell the people how you being from Chicago became a Green Bay Packer fan. The people need to know. Brett Favre. That's all I gotta say. Brett Favre? Brett Favre, yeah. I don't know why. I just kinda watched uh the Bears play. I mean, I the fact that they're sorry, but uh I just could never sit through a Bears game and then I started, you know. Obviously, when I would watch Green Bay play, I just loved the way Brett Favre played. And then, would, would it change anything if I send you the picture of Favre and Trump playing golf last week? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no longer a Green Bay. <laughs> would that change anything or <laughs> you're still good? He's a professional troll. Like, <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> You're talking about me? And receipt. I can't change. I'm embedded now in Green Bay, and and that's that's my team. I'll still send you the picture though, and then you can you can sit with that for a little bit. You told me this was gonna be therapeutic. Indeed. We're gonna move on because I do have to make a correction from the last episode. I saw something that said Biden had dwindled it down to the final four and they were all black women. But that's not a tr- it's not like a true release, a press release. That's not actually where he's at. So there is 11 or 12 female candidates still in the running that he considers viable as his vice president pick. Something I was curious about, Nurse Brenda, being a Mexican-American woman, we always talk about the black agenda. We always talk about not feeling represented. How do you feel when it comes to that? Do you feel the Hispanic vote as well has been taken advantage of? And is, why isn't there more talk about maybe a Hispanic getting that spot? Because Hispanics are not, um, maybe now like the newer generations are doing better the educated generation but coming from a first generation of immigrant daughters parents um i can tell you that that is really not even a topic wow that it is to say but hmm. it's not a topic um that's you interesting just, you, you come here, you're here, you, you have a job, like, you're just blessed to be here, and if you have a job, like, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't think a lot of people that immigrate here 
are educated about the politics, about um, kind of what's going on in your own country. Like, yeah, you sit and you turn on the news, but because, and you think about it, a lot of the jobs you have are not, you know, corporate jobs. You're working, cleaning here. You're working at the hotel. Like, you're not really impacted as much of, you know, kind of right. what's going on. And and, and a lot of those would be undocumented citizens, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and to yeah. your point, maybe the next generation, you'll start to see that, you know, even your generation, but even more so after, you'll start to see more of that request. I didn't grow up like I'm telling you, like even now, just recently, like I've never been like big on politics or even kind of kept up with politics myself until recently because of what's going on, but because I never like. I realized that that's kind of how I grew up. Like it was never a topic. It was never, it was just not kind of embedded until I started like going to school and I went outside and talked to, you know, people outside of the family circle or outside of that kind of, you know. Well, I think, I think what we're dealing with now is, is made everyone tune in more and want to learn more about the political process. But when Trump got elected in 2016, you being a Mexican American, the things that were happening at the borders, I think we talk a lot about what's happened to us as black people, but there's a grave injustice and inhumane actions happening in those detention camps. Did that make you feel some kind of way in what this administration was doing and wanting to be oh, more in tune are you kidding me i mean this this is this the fact that you're separating kids from their parents and there's kids now that are still not back with their parents years later like the fact that you get away with taking kids from their parents and putting them on the floor in aluminum foiling cages and the and amount of sexual assault it, that's happening, not to cut you off. And it's being allowed. Yeah, and, and it's just nobody's doing anything about it. And, and people don't care. It yeah. is, it's, it's just inhumane. I just feel like it's scary um, when when you have children. Like, when you become a parent, it just it just hits you because there's if, if you don't care for a life of a, of a child, like, it just makes you wonder the nature of these people like where Evil. did humanity go right right you know in my everyday life like you know i treat people i see someone like when i see a patient i'm like this could be my grandfather this can be my dad mm. i always relate to a family member wow which i feel helps me right treat someone the best way i can because i'd be like this could be my husband, this can be my kids, this can be my grandfather, this can be... And I just feel like if people thought that way, like, this world would be completely different. Mm. Like, I don't care what color you are, what, you know, it's just, it's a person. Right. Like, this is somebody's child, this is somebody's family. Right. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It is. You think about those kids that are probably being sexually assaulted, not just adults. I'm sure it's it's minors as well by people who are supposed to be there protecting them. 
and they just turn a blind eye to it. For yeah, what? For some political aspirations that don't even amount to anything, really? I mean, it's just crazy. But the VP pick, unless y'all had something to add to that, CJ Joel. No, no. No. You guys said it all. <laughs> all right, but so the, it, it looks like they're the, going to be announcing something this week, possibly, maybe next week. Susan Rice. I think we know who it is. Let's talk about that, Joe, because you said something (laughs) talking about they leaked Kamala Harris is getting the nod, and that shit looked fake to me. Kamala Harris is going to be it. Right. I still agree with that. I saw some uh, new information about Karen Bass, and they're calling her the Castro lover and so on. And And she's at the Scientology. Yeah, and then I honestly, But Karen Bass is Clyburn's pick Who Clyburn is the reason why Biden Took over That started Biden's run When Clyburn endorsed him So wow. Karen Bass could be in play I don't I don't know I know she's kind of walking back on those statements That she made about Her love for how it was a great loss for Cuba um, But I didn't know anything about Val Demings, I d- I'd never heard of her. So I don't know if any of you are familiar. I actually started looking her up today when I, I saw her name as a potential candidate. Uh, she's um, a former police officer. department, And now she's in the runnings or so on. And uh, I had never heard of her, but it was, you know, a lot of good information on her. But I think, once again, the leading part about the connection to the police department might be... Yeah, I saw somewhere, I guess the Biden team, they now that he has this double digit lead and and continuously growing, they're probably going to go with a safer pick. Val Demings would probably be a little more cutting edge. Right. If they're going to keep it safe, it probably would be Kamala Harris. But I think we were speaking about it at least through chatting last week. With Biden's record with the crime bill and Kamala Harris's record as a prosecutor, that's not a good mix. And she has the white husband. I don't know if black people will be. I think they think they got the black vote sold up and maybe they do. They probably do. I don't want to. If he goes with Kamala, I'm not going to speak against it because we all need to go out and vote because the. What we have now is just is detrimental to everybody, like right. gravely detrimental. We don't know what could happen. This guy may well, not even leave if he loses. It, well, he's leave, well, when he announced that he was trying to ban TikTok, it was the dumbest political move ever because you have a bunch of young kids that are getting ready to be legal to vote. And that was, to me, a, a, uh, a catastrophic move. Because this young generation, they're already the ones behind pushing this, um, like they're very active on the line of this whole political force. And they've been very, very, very forceful with this. And on top of that, you throw in, you're taking TikTok away. I mean, <laughs> that's a the lighter situation, but now you've got them irate. Um, he's not going to be able to necessarily ban TikTok, even though he says he can. He can stop American companies from purchasing them. He can stop government employees and, and entities from 
utilizing the app, but he can't really ban it as much as he spews this stuff out there. Once again, these are these meltrums, these meltdown tantrums where he just thinks out loud (laughs) and says whatever he wants to say. And I, uh, in the the midst of whatever he's feeling in that time. And I don't think it's smart. We all know that a lot of things that he says he wants to do, he can't do with the TikTok and when we talk about what he wants to do, even delaying the election, like he can't do any of the things that he says he wants to do, but he still says it and it still affects. I hope it affects how people come out and vote. I think that's why he wants to stop the, the mailing voting because I'm, I'm a true believer. He didn't win the last election and in, in order for no, him to get the help he needs, it has to be through some sort of cyber hack. And if there's mail in votes, then the people who are helping him are going to have a much tougher time helping him. That's his concern. I have a problem with this because he put it out as if his his issue was he wants people to be able to properly and securely and and safely vote. This is the same man that attacked numerous governors for not opening their states back up for safety reasons. And the same man that asked churches to open up. Remember, he said we were going to have a beautiful Easter in the Mm -hmm. peak of the pandemic. And then the same man, he, he he pulled this stunt in 2016. Where remember, I don't know if you guys remember when he, he was saying that the election was going to be rigged because he believes dead people were voting. People who are dead for over 10 years are voting. Or he never he proved out. it. Yeah, yeah, he never proved that. Yeah. Right. But these are the things that he puts out when he's in fear. Then when he won, it was a, it was a fair election. Exactly. <laughs> and then when he won, he had you, we had nothing to say about uh, Russian interference or anything. Nope. So this is the issue I have with this man. But that's what he does. He goes and says things, and then a week later, they'll show it on CNN where he says the complete opposite. <laughs> right. Right. That you will never change the date of election. That that's ridiculous. Exactly. That that's something that can be changed, and now it can be changed. Now, does the Senate have the authority to change the election? I, I read somewhere. Yeah, that they, they do. Actually vote on that. They do, now, but they already said they're not. They well, already said they're not. Republicans, you know, you know, they go back and forth according to whatever the president threatens them with. So that's my fear as well, though, is somehow he can shake down Ted Nugent or not Ted Nugent. Yeah, Ted Nugent and Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham into doing what he wants. Um, I think that their state would have a, a major problem with. I mean, I don't, I don't I see them so. doing it. I don't see them doing it. You can't put anything past them at this point. But I, mean, I think low key they're a little drained from him too. I think they're almost <laughs> like kind of ready to move on if they can. I mean, it's just just they are. But do they want four years of a Democratic president? Probably not, but um, that, yeah, that, that's another uphill battle as well. Like either tolerate him and get some some stuff that we want done, or literally just fight for the next four years with a Democratic. Like nominee. I said, I think a four more years is much more sinister. It's, it's a much more grave situation he's going to put us in. I, I think that they're aware of that. I think this man could potentially put us in another world war um who knows i mean i just think there's so much going on with his relationship with russia we talk about who he attacks he attacks everybody but he refuses to attack that guy why is that i think it's more to it and if we get another four more years we are going to really be in some shit 
Like yeah. if you have a chance to bear to to get some 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 firearms and bear arms, I think we all need to, because right. that time frame November to the end of the year, that may be the craziest shit we're ever going to see. Brace yourself. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Huh? <sighs> Damn. <laughs> but, it's exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> but real quick, are we sticking with our VP picks? I actually heard Stacey Abrams is probably out. You guys yeah, are sticking yeah, with you yeah. guys are sticking with Kamala. I'm I'm a huge Bill Maurer guy on Friday nights. Um and he said Kamala, so I, I, I believe him. Also, I read a lot of political stuff because they're pretty balanced. And they were the ones that put out that press that um Biden had picked Kamala. Um you know they're pretty legit. So, but I they also said, well, "Hold on, was, Joe." When you sent that, they also had said five minutes later, Susan Rice is is the head of the pack. They did, but what, you, <laughs> what, you do anything you could to, to fix it. So, I, I think I think there was a mistake on that end. Somebody put it out prematurely, and I believe Kamala Harris will be the choice. He was supposed to make the announcement yesterday, right? Yeah, they said by the first. Yeah, I hear there's a large happened. contingent in the, the DNC trying to get them to change their mind on her. That's what they say. I I, I was with Stacey Abrams, but CG made so many great points last week. I'm like, you know what? She might be 100% correct. And I think CG's still right. If I had Thank to choose, you. I'm going to go with Susan. <laughs> I'm going to go with Susan Rice. <laughs> yeah, CG gained a lot of fans last week. I had a few people here hit, hit me up. Like, oh, she was talking some shit. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> what about me? Shit. <laughs> yeah, CJ was going hard last week, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on, on her bandwagon. Usually it's you and her against me, but it's me and her against you. <laughs> right, thank you. Y'all don't I'm want it to be Kamala. Y'all just think it will be. I, I don't want it to be Kamala, but I, I, I just think for some reason in Biden's mind, he thinks she's the safe choice. Right. I don't know. Nurse Brenda, have you given this any thought? The Biden VP? Started, no, I just started kind of reading up on it. Um, do you think it's, do you, do you care if it's a female or not? Does that matter to you? I do. You do? I do. I don't care. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's time. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Is it time? No, and I'm just saying that because we're in, again, we already overstated this. This is a unique time in the country, and mm -hmm. a female has not been accepted yet. This would be a first. It hasn't been accepted for the reasons we know. This this country is just stubborn and, and, and sexist and racist, and those things come out during the election time. Female being in that seat, is it going to t deter some people from we voting Obama the right was way. have issues and we seen America turn out and vote in 2008. Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's 12 years later. I mean the world evolves. You're going and to have those a lot races. of things are happening now that in in you know the younger generation I think has the power right now as they stay kind of motivated in 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 making changes that right now could be the start if not at least the start of a change, a change that is needed. So I think pretty much for me, the youth is kind of like the younger generations right now um, that have the power to make this change. Mm. Right. 
yeah. and to push for the change. We just hope they come out and vote. That's all. Right. Right. Well, and we still got to figure that out. We got to figure out yeah. what we can do to get people to vote. You can easily do the mail-in votes now. Every state outside of a handful of states are allowing the mail-in votes. You just have to get it in on time. Right. So there's no excuse. Again, in the Instagram page, you can register to vote in the DMV area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, South Carolina, and North Carolina. It's really easy as well. We're going to put a link to fill out your census. The census is also very important. Because if you're not letting them know you exist, you won't be represented. Right. Yeah. That and funding for specific towns, especially the town that, you know, many of us grew up in. Um, if we don't fill these senses out, they're, they're going to overlook it. We got to do these things. We got to make these things common. We got to make it cool. And another thing I want to do, I don't know how this is, this should get done because the nurses on the front line, again, we thank you for your service, getting out there, putting your life on the line every day because that's what it is. But you know who else I think about is the, the grocery workers. Yeah. How do we create a fund maybe to thank them for having to go to work every day? They don't have a choice either. Right. Being exposed, potentially. Putting right. their family at harm. I was looking it up and I couldn't find anything. It was like ways you can thank them, like write a letter or sing a song or send like a, <laughs> like a, what do they call that? Like, what do they call it? A telegram? When you bring, oh, send yeah. somebody to go sing, I'm like, that's corny. That's not I mean, me. Should, should the responsibility also be on the employer as well, though? I mean, they're probably making huge uh, profits during this pandemic because people are home. They've done um, little things like I think they've increased what are they the pay. Like, yeah, they've done little things like increase the pay like two dollars an hour, stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like us as the citizens who have depended on them throughout this time. Even you know, I go to Jersey Mike's, and you they have mm -hmm. like when you pay, they have like the the tip option. I used to never tip on the card. I I do it every single time now, twenty percent, right. because. They don't have a choice. Yeah. So it's got to be That's a way true. that we can give back to those to those workers who have also been essential. You know. I agree. I mean, there's nothing out there now, like you said too. But um, like my mother is is out there and she's working and she she works at a CVS pharmacy and I know that originally they cut their hours and then due to customer complaints. Because the customer said, oh, you're closing too early. We still have to come and get our milk or our eggs. And they ended up extending them. So hmm. they were always open beyond the uh, stay-at-home order quarantine time. They were always one of those stores that stayed late. And she was very fearful because just being out there and being exposed. And I asked her what are some of the things that we could do or some of the things that customers do. And I know she mentioned that sometimes customers just send lunch. Like they'll order lunch mm. in the store and send it over to them. Mm. That's a great idea. You know? We will raise some money and we'll send I'm like some literally pizzas. five minutes from your mom's job, CJ. So I might have to uh, steal that idea. Yeah. They love it. It's just a complete, you know, sense of, because they get forgotten in the conversation a lot. They do. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Didn't think of that. We're going to come up with something. But, Nurse Brenda, no, that's a great idea. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. 
thank no, you thank so you much for, for your commitment to the community. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was very therapeutic, his promise. Was it? Because you tried, you threw me off is, with the Brett Favre. The <laughs> I figure it wasn't going to be therapeutic, but it's okay. I was preparing for it. Well, Brother Minister, Pastor Joel, can you send us home with a, with a lovely prayer? Absolutely. Uh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to come together again, um, just to discuss everything that's going on uh, in this world. Um, God, we ask for your peace, we ask for your understanding, and we ask for your grace just to endure through this whole pandemic and everything that we're facing in these challenging times. And Lord, through it all, we still want to say thank you, and we're grateful uh, that we're still alive, uh, that we're still here on this earth. Um, and while we're here, we want to do everything we can uh, to have an impact on this world. And God, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.